0: Welcome to another round of the football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia public broadcasting the season is about ready to start so that means one thing one thing and one thing only it means the football Fridays in Georgia podcast all stars assemble and we tour the state to find out what they think about the upcoming 2022 season. John here, Hannah there, and we ain't going to waste no time.
1: We're getting right to it.
0: Yeah, so Christian Gokel from ESPN Coastal hanging out with us to, to let us know what's going on down there on the coast. Welcome back! Did it seem like football season just continued until now?
2: Well, it never stops, man. It's 365 now. You know that.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. So let, let's get into it. When it comes to storylines, what's your top storyline from the coast this year?
2: Uh, replacing really, really good talent. I mean, I know BC uh, had a guy like Holden a uh, Benedictine for the, the Atlanta folks listening, had a guy like Holden Garner head off to Auburn, and then Justin Thomas, who uh, maybe should have been a player of the year last year in Quad A uh, off that state champion team, is headed to Georgia to play baseball. So who fills his shoes? Uh, Barry Kleinpeter from or from Country Day, mm-hmm. uh, who was outstanding last year, who steps up for him? So some some big shoes to fill and also – uh, not just the player ranks, but the coaches ranks. Sean Pender uh, leaves Brunswick. He's at North Hall now. Garrett Grady, his offensive line coach, who's been with him forever, takes over there at Brunswick, which is a big job. So just shoes being filled, I think, is the biggest storyline.
1: Coastal's the flagship for Benedictin football. They are the crown jewel for A-State champs over Carver Columbus. What was it like covering their season last year, and what are your expectations out of them for this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good first year of covering them in a state championship, so it's going to be tough uh, to live up to those expectations <laughs> this year. So just a little bit of pressure. But no, uh, I honestly, right back where they were, I think anything short of a semifinals appearance would probably be a disappointment. I think once you get to the semifinals, it's such a coin flip because all the teams that get there are so good. Uh, but you replace one Power 5 quarterback with one that already has multiple Power 5 offers and is committed to Florida State, uh, and Luke Cromanhawk a dude who's a junior, has never taken a snap as the starting quarterback at BC and has already committed to Florida State. It has multiple other uh, Power 5 offers, multiple other SEC offers. And the dude is a stud, like 6'3", 6'4", 210 pounds, played safety uh, and tied in for BC last year. So adds a different dynamic to that offense. But uh, I know you guys remember the name Blackshear, as in Travis Blackshear who played for BC for a long time. Mm-hmm. He has a cousin at the team with a team now named Thomas Blackshear, who I believe had two touches last year in limited roles and scored touchdowns on both of those. So kind of living up to the family names. Then of course, Zaquan Bryan, uh, the wider receiver slash corner for them, probably going to see him playing more wide receiver this year just to limit his reps and let him be more of a weapon because he's going to have a more expanded role. He's committed to Minnesota, might be the fastest player uh, in South Georgia.
0: Give me a sleeper there on the coast this year. Who do you think might fill that role?
2: I don't know if you can call them a sleeper, but like taking the next step, I can see Calvary Day. Uh, they lost a really good running back in Johnson, who's headed down to IMG Academy. But you have Jake Merklinger back at quarterback, who's outstanding. You have Troy Ford on the defensive line, who's amazing as well. And then just a ton of other great guys. I think they could be a team that pushes for the semifinals. And then, I mean, you know me, I always have a spot, soft spot for Glenn Academy. Mm-hmm. I, Rocky Hidalgo, something about what he does, <laughs> he's, he's going to make it to the playoffs, and they're going to give somebody a headache. They're going to play outstanding defense. They're going to run an offense that you haven't seen all year, and they have a quarterback coming back in Tyler Devlin. So anytime you got a returning quarterback, a, really, a couple of really good running backs and Rocky Hidalgo defense, I think it's a recipe for success.
1: Benedictine was not affected by reclassification, but when it comes to that topic on the coast, who was affected the most in your area?
2: Uh, Honestly, we didn't see anybody get moved in terms of the private schools. They're all actually going to be the same this year. Nice. There's a couple of public schools that got bumped up. I know Richmond Hill, that's a jump in a half right Ooh. there i mean six eight <laughs> to seven eight just
0: in to region right, one the way seven a brother
2: mm-hmm. yeah you ain't, you ain't playing i mean that's uh that's going to be a wake-up call and i matt lazat is an excellent football coach i don't know that he gets the credit he deserves for what he's kind of built there uh at richmond hill but it's that is going to
0: be a rude awakening for a lot of fans christian is always great to catch up with you my friend would you got one more
1: I've got one more. Okay,
0: then you go one more.
1: I want to throw some non-football questions at some Uh folks. Okay, go go for it. Yeah. Well, this is an easy one. I want to get a quick thought on flag football. Oh, there you go. Since we are expanding our coverage here on GPB and you've got a couple of really good teams, Portal and Southeast Bullock. Tell me what you know about flag football and and, um, preview competition for those teams I mentioned and anyone else noteworthy.
2: Hey, not just Portal and Southeast Bullock. Calvary Day won a yes, state championship in yes. uh, flag football. I Duh. think it's awesome. I'm a, I'm a big fan of sports in general. And so any way that we can expand kids being active, mm-hmm. I think is huge. And so I think flag football is a really enjoyable thing to watch. I think it's super exciting. Uh, and I think, like anything, if we put our coverage behind it, I think we've seen it like with the NWSL and a lot of other women's sports. If we actively put the coverage behind it, the eyeballs will be there. I mean, we had softball on ABC this past year. So if we put the coverage behind it, the fans will come to it, but I think it starts with
1: us. I was having babies during the championship so my uh my memory's a little Uh, little fuzzy so thank you
2: (laughs) we'll let it slide
0: do you have any other questions i am done okay now christian gokel from espn coastal part of the football fridays in georgia all-stars thanks for uh, hanging out with us for the the premiere for the season we'll be catching up every week
1: thanks guys thank you our next victim on the All Star <laughs> Podcast is GHSF Daily founder and editor Todd Holcomb. Todd, I always love catching up with you, and I have prepared a trivia question Uh-oh. for you today. Oh, all right. I we all it. know I, I love to stump John, so I want to talk about media days that are going on. I went to the DeKalb County Media Day. There's been the Gwinnett, West Georgia, Fulton. Um, so I want to talk about you know what you've you've seen and what you've heard. From, from some of those media days, but I was at DeKalb. Here's your question. And Cedar Grove head coach John Adams won a state championship in his first year as a head coach, which is truly unbelievable. Like first ever first year. First ever first year. Okay. And I got to catch up with him. I got to talk to him about the excitement around the program. But I wanted to ask you, when was the last time that happened, that a head coach won a state championship in his first year as a head coach. First
0: ever, yeah, first ever, first, first
1: year. First ever year as a head coach.
3: The last time it happened, and I'm sure of this, it was the last year with Cedar Grove. No, you didn't mean <laughs> that. <laughs> oh, well. Um, no, I, I actually I do I do know the answer. Actually, it happened, and it is rare. So my answer is going to make it seem like it's not rare, but it is rare. But you know, Buford's coach Brian Apple. Oh, coach App,
0: Savior. yes, oh, we yes, yes.
1: You on that, John? <laughs> but that's
0: yeah. That but that yeah it makes a lot of sense with App coming through the system and just hopping right in as a head coach. There you go. I
1: thought I was going to stump you, Todd. Yeah, but Man. it's a, it's a very pretty good <laughs> accomplishment. And there's a, and we also did a
3: trivia question last year about. How many times the coach had won it in his first two years, Okay, which Appling had done. And uh, and I, I guess Appling's, is he won it two in a row or three now? I forget. But anyway, there was another it's coach three. at Dublin back in, yeah, those, he's three for three. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's only been one other coach besides Appling that's done it twice in a row, which Adams can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a coach at Dublin, I believe, in the 50s, and off the top of my head, I can't remember his name. So Adams can make history if they can pull it off again, and, uh, and they'll probably be ranked number one in preseason, so they have a shot.
1: Awesome. Well, that rolls right into my media day question. What have you seen and heard and hot topics from the offseason? I know reclassification is one, and we can touch on that in a minute.
3: Yeah, well, if you're talking about the the, the broad off-season
2: yeah. that began
3: you know, months and months ago, I mean, the two big stories would be reclassification, and mm-hmm. I, I think I've counted 129 teams that are either moving up or down in class, so that's about 30%. Wow. So quite a few teams are going to be playing in a different class, and then, I um, mean, also every, and that's every two years that happens, and then this year, like every year, you have a bunch of interesting coaches that are moving around, and uh you know, Jabo Shaw. It's just hard to imagine him being in Wayne County. You I go know. From Raymond County to Wayne County, that's a big, a big change. Jonathan Guess, I've, I've seen you know things on social media with him wearing a Hebron Christian shirt, and that just doesn't look right yet. No. But I'm sure it will pretty soon. <laughs> but you know, he's had such success at Eagles Landing Christian, and that so he won't be, uh, he won't be there. he will be at, in Gwinnett County, and lots of other coaches like Travis Nolan from Oconee County to Jefferson. And, Robert Edwards of Riverwood's going to be back at his alma mater, Washington County.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So yeah, Colquitt County has a new coach and uh, A new coach. Yeah, yeah. Nothing
0: Zach like grades. So. Nothing like 178 uh, churning everything up with two new coaches with uh, with uh, Sean Calhoun and Zach Grades coming over from Thomasville. I mean, and now we've got Josh Niblett coming over, uh, Hall of Fame coach from Alabama, and he's uh, looking yeah. at the Gainesville program now too.
3: Yeah, that was probably the biggest off season hire in my opinion. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know that was coming or see it coming. It just shows you that Gainesville um, has got a lot of resources to be able to attract a coach of that caliber who'd won six or seven state titles in Alabama, probably Alabama's most famous coach.
0: When it comes to on the field, are you anticipating, and this is kind of a question that I'm going to be asking everybody as we go here today. Are you anticipating a lot of the same names competing for championships, even if they're going up in classification? I know that Buford is going to be garnering a lot of attention in 7A. Are you looking at this as a chalk year, or do you have some surprises up your sleeve?
3: Well, I think there'll be some surprises because – or when I say surprises, I mean, um, you know, it's changed enough, yeah, that it'll be different. I mean, even if Buford were to win it again, I mean, they've never won it in the highest classification. Right. You know, I mean, they've never – had to beat out, you know, Grayson and Colquitt County and Collins Hill and those kind of teams. So that would be something. And, uh, and then also in the, I mean, we can go down the classes. I mean, you know, Hughes was the runner up in five. I think last year, they're going to mm-hmm. be in six. a They may be the most talented team in six and they've never want to stay title. So that would be huge if they were to win. And of course, Roswell is down from seven, a and six a. And I think that increases their chances of, of winning. and, also, if you want to go all the way to the the bottom of it, I mean, you know that the new Class A Division II, you know, that's gonna there's a lot of teams right there that are, that may be able to win state titles for the first time or first time in a long time. I mean, uh, Sly County is one; uh, um, yeah. they're maybe the most talented, loaded team. I mean, never never won a state title, and the new reclassification may open up some opportunities for schools like that.
1: I want to do a quick deep dive on reclassification. We used some of your GHSF daily emails as a good timeline. So we appreciate your, as always, Mm -hmm. your emails on that and um, just trying to figure out how it all went down. And we were able to put together a podcast on it, but we haven't really talked to anyone on our show yet about what they thought about it all. So what were your thoughts on all of the reclassification and, and who were some of the One's most affected in your opinion
3: well, it was the most it was the wildest reclass that I've ever seen, you know and covering it for at least twenty years and, and sort of following even before that. I mean, I mean it started out last summer with the head of the reclass committee saying that he wanted all the larger private schools to be in their own classification so schools like Marist and Westminster and Woodward Academy Blessed Trinity all in in one league, like about eight eight or 10 schools and completely segregated off from the public schools. So that's where it started. About a month or two later, they came off that. But in the end, ironically, it turned around and you've got private schools from Class A now mingling again with the public school. You no longer have a public-private split. So now you've got, you know, Princeton Avenue, Christian's going to be playing against Brooks County and Irwin County and
0: and no, you had, yeah. and you got the secession of a lot of schools. The one region in central Georgia that basically was like, "No, we're out," and so you have the secession of all those schools heading to the GISA, which created Division One and Division Two.
3: Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I think it was thirteen or fourteen schools, including let's say Brookstone in Columbus, Pachelli, mm-hmm. and a lot of Macon schools, uh, Tatnall Square, Strat- Stratford. Yeah. So they go into the GISA, and that. So then, the Class A private, what used to be Class A private, didn't have enough schools. They felt to have a meaningful state championship tournament, so then they had to just wipe away public private, and now those private schools are playing public schools again.
0: You said that this was a, the craziest version of reclass that that you've ever been a part of, and I mean, you and I have you and I have been through a lot of A's when it comes to reclassification here in the state of Georgia. Do we still have too many A's? You think?
3: Well, it uh, depends on, I guess, what, what the goals are. You know, um, uh, the, the GHSA obviously thought so because beginning in 2000, I guess, 14, um, they couldn't do it sooner, but they're going to trim one of the A's off. It's right. only going to have basically seven classifications. Uh, so um, I don't know. I mean, you, you just got – I mean, I still think even with so many A's, I mean, if you've got 50, 55, 60 schools and you're in a state championship, that's still pretty impressive, so – um, but it's just, but you know, the only one trouble I have sometimes with so many classifications is that, that it kind of waters down, not so much the competition, but just the, the recognition of that champion, you know, Right. I might get a parent emailing me and saying, well, you know, the, the, this such and such tennis team has made the semifinals for the first time ever. Well, there's 24 teams in the semifinals, you know, of all these different sports. So it doesn't mean quite as much as it used to maybe. Uh, and it waters down the media coverage and recognition we might get you know might get for it.
1: yeah, that is very true. All right, last question for you. i won't I won't make it too hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not a baseball question. All
1: right. no, not a baseball question. Who do you think will be some of the top performing schools this year and then give us a few underdogs to look out for this season?
3: Mm, top performing um well, I'm going to say, well, I'll, I'll let me just quickly go down to classes. I mean, I think, I feel like, you know, Buford is probably going to be the preseason number one of most, um, you know, in most most polls. Right. Uh, and they're getting a lot of high national rankings. So that's going to be really intriguing to see if they can win it. I expect, you know, Collinsville will drop back a little. Um, but, you know, Grayson, Colton County, North Cobb, those guys will be good again. And then uh, I mentioned Hughes before. Um, They should be really a team to look at along with Lee County, Roswell, and 6A. and 5A, Wanda Robins, the defending champion. They'll probably start number one again. Mm -hmm. Um, Carter's. But I think Jones County is a team I think is going to be really good this year. It uh, doesn't normally win, you know, but uh, has a a chance to. Uh, In 4A, I guess Benedict is back and would be the favorite. Maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe they've lost a lot. That one's going to be pretty wide open. I'm seeing teams like North Oconee, Perry, Cedartown, that if not won, then might have a chance to win. Um, Cedartown in 3A. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, Cedar Grove in 3A, defending champion. you got the two Carvers, Columbus and Atlanta, in there. Chris County is going to be really good. I think they'll be a top three team. Um, and then Elka and 2A will be interesting to see. They're out of Class A, and then they're moving up into Double A, which used to be so so much public-dominated in football, and they're going to be in there with teams like Fitzgerald and Appling, Pierce, galloway And then in Class A, um, Prince Avenue, Chris, I mentioned that before, Prince Avenue in there with Brooks and Irwin. Raven County is going to be in Class A, Division One instead of 2A, so they'll obviously be very good and I mentioned Sly County. They're one of my favorites along with Macon County. Watch for teams like Clinch County, Charlton County to kind of bounce back, maybe Lincoln County because it's a smaller class now. It's only schools with about 400 students and below. That'll give them a a new opportunity.
0: Well, Todd, as always, great to catch up with you here on the preseason version of the Football Fridays in Georgia Podcast All-Stars. We'll be keeping an eye on stuff as we go this season. As always, great to catch up with you, my friend. Season starts before we know it. Sure. Thanks for having me.
1: Don't forget to follow at GHSF Daily, everybody. It's a must.
0: What she said. Next up here in the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast, All-Stars. It is the tag team titles on the line again. (laughs) Well, we might as well just cash it in. It's ours already. See, uh, Look at this. He's already got the briefcase. It's a Money in the Bank briefcase (laughs) for Rex Castillo, Jack Patterson. Uh, the the uh, the Western Tag Team champs from our friends at WRBL-TV in Columbus. All right, so Rex, since you're the sports director, here's how we're yeah. going to determine who's asking who the questions. I, <laughs> I have a number between 1 and 10. Rex, Got give it. me a number first. Okay. Jack. I'm going to go with the
4: old number 3.
0: All right, Rex was closest. So, Rex, you choose who asks <laughs> you questions for this segment. With so Hannah asks Rex, and <laughs> okay. I ask Jack. Okay. So okay. I, that'll work. Hannah, go.
1: So after all of this, I have to go first.
0: Yes. <laughs> I
1: figured we
5: get it to the brain and the operation. So.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you're completely right. Okay, I I I'm a little thrown off, but I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Okay. Okay. Rex, yeah. since you're my guy. I'll keep it real easy for you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Knew I made the right choice.
1: <laughs> Tell me about some of the hottest topics around the state that you've seen so far this offseason.
5: Uh, one of the hottest topics, I think, especially here in, um, in Columbus, has been the change at Carver High School. Uh, Pierre Coffey comes over to um, be the new head coach after Corey Joyner led the Carver Tigers to the state championship game. Um, we thought that Corey Joyner was always a guy who was the right guy to get them to that next level. And getting to the championship game against Benedictine mm-hmm. was the culmination of all that. And all of a sudden he leaves. We thought, like, all right, Corey is going to come back. Maybe they make another run at it. The interesting thing, though, is to fill, those, fill the big shoes that he left, they get a guy who was an assistant coach under um, Del McGee at Carver. So it looks like they got the right guy. And Coach Coffee used to be the head coach at Spencer, the direct in-city rival of that team. So what Coach uh, Coffey has done, I mean, he already has guys committing to big SEC schools. He just had an offensive lineman commit to Georgia, had a defensive lineman commit to LSU. Looks like things are rolling, but things are going to be a little bit different. And uh, a lot of pieces had to be replaced uh, with Carver. So I think for me, the biggest storyline is, what in the world is Carver going to do? Have an encore season to a tremendous season they already had.
0: All right. So, Jack, Rex kind of alluded to it a little bit with some of the studs that are there at Carver. Who are some of the athletes that folks who aren't locked into Columbus in the Columbus area as you two are? Who are some of the studs that folks can focus on this year?
4: Uh, I think we're going to go with the guy that just committed to UGA. We're going to talk about Kelvin Smith. Dude has been an absolute beast for this Carver line, and he's going to be a guy that's going to be making a a name for himself this year. He's committed. He's going to be playing in the All-American game later after the season, and, you know, obviously the Dogs just counts on him as well. So he's going to be a guy that you're going to – when you go and watch Carver, he's going to be a guy that's going to be making a name for himself for sure.
1: Rex, what's it like to cover Carver Columbus and and what is it going to take for them to get back to that state championship again this season? Because we just talked to Todd and he said they're one of the hottest contenders in the whole state.
5: It's kind of like covering a university, Uh, just the way that the, the kids are locked in, the coaches are locked in. But I think even Jack can allude to this, the way the fans are locked in. It is a football school. And you can count on Memorial Stadium always being sold out with the fans being right on top of you. For what Convert has to do, you can celebrate what you did in the past. But as uh, Coach Coffey mentioned, this is a new team, a new chapter, and a new mission, and you can't do it that way. Like, unfortunately, Philip Credo is not walking through that door. DJ Riles isn't going to be on the practice field anytime soon. Other guys have to step up. Now, with the, with the, the UGA commit, having a guy who's five, 300 pounds, Helps to have that on the offensive mm-hmm. line, but you know it, it's one of those things that these guys—they understand what it means to represent Carver on a football team, on a football gridiron, and I think that that goes a tremendous distance for kids who have that maturity who understand high expectations are here. That doesn't mean we're going to run away from it.
0: So, Jack, let me go into the smaller classifications, the the less number of A's here. And Todd, Todd Holcomb from GHSF Daily was on before you guys, and he mentioned Sly County in single A, possibly chasing after a state title in Ellaville. When it comes to the schools that have the less number of A's than Carver, what are you looking at in the smaller classifications this year?
4: I think for us, you start with Sly County. This is a team that has been on the rise in the last couple of years. What Darren Alpert is doing down in Ellaville has been absolutely incredible. Jalua Solomon has been absolutely just a playmaker for those boys. And their quarterback, whose name leaves me at the moment. But goodness gracious, they, they're just a dynamic duo down there. And honestly, I listen, I kind of agree with Todd. Sly County is a definite state title contender, especially with all the changeovers, you know, with the lower classifications, you know, no more public, private, everything's mixed together. I think Sly County can definitely be a contender this year.
1: Rex, we've been asking everybody about reclassification because we did our reclassification podcast and we had coaches' opinions and GHSA official opinions. But it's really good to hear from the media members. What were your thoughts when all that went down and how does that affect schools in your area?
5: So a lot of the schools in our area, especially along the lines of like a single A, they would find themselves um, doing fairly well in the regular season. But once they get to these other schools that are technically single-A but are in the Atlanta metro area who maybe have a bigger budget, Um, it it becomes a struggle and it becomes a clear unfair advantage. I think, especially I'll go with a school like Pacelli, Uh, Corey Black was very vocal about he wanted to have the best avenue and the best experience for his kids. I think... Self-awareness is always so important, especially when you're dealing with high school athletes who just want to reach their best potential. For us, uh, it's it's definitely like, okay, now we have to do a little more research with scheduling. But at the same time, I think when you have fair competition, that's the best way for anyone to be involved in and to get a fair avenue to a state championship. I mean, being blown out by 50 points in any sport is not fun for anybody, for the team who's winning or for the team, especially for the team that's losing. I think it's just very interesting to see kind of a self-awareness of, hey, we know what we have, and we know what's fair to us to compete in, to chase the state championship, or to at least give our kids the best chance to shine in, uh, in athletics. So it's very interesting, and I, you know, I think it's just, I think it's just really interesting to see what the kind of matchups we'll see in these new leagues, especially with these teams that we have in our area.
0: Jack, last question for you, and since you're the local, this is why I wanted to specifically ask you about this. When it comes to the other schools in the Columbus area, of which you are an alum of one, what are you anticipating there in the Western Frontier? Looking at Callaway, Troop, Lagrange, with uh, what Coach Napier's doing and building that program, what are some of the other places that are kind of flying below the radar this year?
4: Man, I'm I'm going to tell you and kind of tapping back on to reclassification. I'm really interested to see how these teams going to play in new regions. For the first time, pretty much since I graduated back in 2010, not all the Muskogee County schools are not clustered together. You have some schools in Two a some schools in three a some schools in four a some schools in five a It's been a long time since we've had that here, so it's going to be really different for me and I'm really interested to see you know you got Hardaway and Shaw playing down teams like Bainbridge and Cairo, Ooh. you got Troop and Lagrange playing you know some of these teams that are in the atlanta Atlanta Metro, you've got Carver and Columbus in three a I'm really interested to seeing that. And then you got the Jordan, Kendrick, and Spencer's playing in 2A. I'm really interested. A team you might want to look out for in 2A, Spencer. They got the leading passer in Class 4A last year, Gary Gates, are coming back at quarterback. And there's a lot of talent on that Spencer team. So a lot of athleticism on that team. So look out They're Coach by the former Carver head coach, Joe Kegler, I would definitely look out for them.
1: Jack, it's actually not your last question. Since Rex chose me, Oh, Jack, you have to say one nice thing about Rex.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's easy. That's easy. The man that you're talking to is the guy that helped me live my dream. I'll be forever grateful for that, man. So I will go to—listen— we call ourselves the Highlight Factory, but we are indeed a tag team, and I, there's nobody I'd rather go to battle with on a Friday night. That's for certain.
1: Boom!
6: Thank yeah I left the twenty dollars under your
0: bag, buddy. Time <laughs> it, man. A, I'll pick it
6: up
4: when I go back to the office.
0: There you go. Time limit draw once again with the Highlight Good Factory, stuff, guys. Jack and Rip from WRBL. Well, well, you need to. We need the picture with your with your belts, and we'll show you the picture with our belts because it's a time limit draw. <laughs> We're still both champs after yet another round of the Football Fridays and Georgia Podcast All Stars. Guys, thanks a lot. We'll catch up soon.
1: Appreciate you guys. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Next up, WMAZ sports anchor Marvin James, our favorite, John. Uh,
0: it's like everybody's our favorite.
1: <laughs> nope, oh. just Marvin.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. So since. Uh, since Mr. Mr. Collinsworth is not here, uh, I, b- I believe we have to start this uh, in a particular way. And right. so I will go ahead and introduce this before Hannah starts the question. <clears throat> All right. I've got my stretches. I've got my stretches in. I prepared for this. Hannah no longer has a straight face. So,
7: <clears throat> oh, man. it's getting better. I like that. I like that. Oh.
1: <laughs> I think it's getting worse. That was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Uh, do you need another a redo on that? Let go! That one was better.
0: I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> That's why Marvin's my favorite. Okay. okay. All right. What's been going on in central Georgia? Catch us up in, in your neck of the woods.
7: Oh, it's been a uh, a pretty warm summer. Um, you know, we've been running around. Now we're doing some uh, little league stuff. You know, we're the home of the Southeast Regional. So for baseball and for softball. So the winner that goes here goes on to the World Series. So we've been catching up on that as of late. But, you know, of course, we're getting these seven on these seven-on-sevens and these OTAs, and we're just counting down to football Friday night. All
0: right. So biggest storyline in the offseason from high school football there in, in middle Georgia would have been what, you think?
7: Oh, man. Um, I guess I think um, we'll be uh, in Demon Country, you know. Um, Says the, the alum. <laughs>
1: the, well, of course well, it
7: well, is. No, they're the state champs, so, you know, you got to go with that. I mean, the band is breaking up. You know, the the coaching system has – a Departed. We've, uh, the one of Robin's Demons have lost their offensive coordinator. Um, he went over to be the head, new head coach over at Houston County yep. and took along with him um, the defensive coordinator and the offensive line coach. So that's a, that's a big deal. You know, when you're coming off a team that went to five straight state championships, um, winning um, the last two in a row, um, and, and you lose that much leadership at the top. It is uh, enough, I think, to be concerned about because, uh, you know, that's just the way it has been for the last five, six years um, in Warner Robins. So when you ever have that that kind of those kind of leadership positions at the field, especially at the coordinator spot, um, it's it's some cause for concern.
1: It really is remarkable. One, two, three, four, five, like you said, five years in a row at the state championship game. Two of the last ones were titles. What has it been like to cover Warner Robins and what do they got to do this year to get right back at it?
7: Um, it's been incredible, and I think sometimes you take it for granted when you start winning so much. I mean, it's just like it becomes the standard. Just like you know, I mean, we look at Alabama for the longest time. When Alabama loses a game, everybody's mouth drops mm-hmm. because they're seeing it, and that's the way it's been in the Central Georgia area as a blate for the demons, and not being a homer, but just because they've been the most dominant team in the area. Um, any coach will tell you. Um, it's not easy
5: getting to
7: that last game of the season. Um, And a couple of times they did it. I think, well, the first year they did it, they were undefeated. So um, it's not easy doing that. Um, So I think that's been the most impressive thing is that the consistency that you've seen at that level, the level of professionalism that you see with the way these guys take to the game. So um, I think that's been the most impressive part about it is that they've been kind of automatic. Um, What they're going to have to do this year, um, they have some great senior leadership still. Victor Burley as we all know is coming back and he is a man child mm-hmm. and the leader um on not only on the defensive side of the ball but just in the locker room. So when you got kids like that um and Malcolm Brown is coming off of a, a a knee injury, he had about 20, 30 uh, uh offers already as far as Michigan State and some um, ACC schools. So he's a running back that's going to be coming back. Um, Fred Perry kind of, you know, took over the show last year a little bit. So uh when when he got hurt, so I think with having those kind of leadership, um, those guys in leadership, um, they're going to have to continue to to step up. We're going to have to find another Fred Perry like player, if you can, to um, to help bring um, the team around.
0: Who are some of the other studs there in Middle Georgia that you're going to be looking at this year? Whether it's on Georgia 247 or out in Fort Valley or up in Gray, who else are you looking at that'll uh, show up big on Football Friday nights?
7: Um, they, um we have a couple of guys um my mind is going blank but um there's there's a kid at, at, at Tattnall um that has been very very good um he's a defensive guy and it'll my name it'll come to me in a few minutes but um also we have the, the kid o- over there um uh richard over at northside he's been getting the last uh, he's a safety over there and he's been doing very well he's been getting about 20 30 um offers as as of late you know those offers start piling in Once mm-hmm. they, you know five five or six come in and before you look up they've got a dozen or so um but central georgia football again is just going to continue to you know i hate to say the same couple teams all over again but everybody knows the peach counties um the north sides the the warner robins um, are going to be the teams to beat um they just you know they've been pretty dominant um, over the past couple of years Northside, i think that's one of the uh i hate to even say that they're underdogs they like that kind of, uh, Chad, that. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he loves for me to say that. Cause it's not, it's not rat You know, the rat poison, but, um, <laughs> they're, they're the team that, you know, uh, came back last year and they were eight and four after, uh, two losing seasons in a row, which they had never had since the, you know, I think the late seventies or the early eighties. So here they are turning things around and getting things back in order. And I think that's the team, the dark horse that you want to, um, you want to see and see how they progress because, they're just looking really strong, and I think that they, uh, they're they turning the corner, and a lot of those kids are, are getting back that, that grit of what Northside football is all about.
1: For anyone who doesn't know as much about Central Georgia as you do, what would you say, how would you define football in Central Georgia, and how would you bring more awareness to it for our listeners?
7: I think Central Georgia football is um, pretty um, probably. Well, they're pretty tough. I think smash-mouth football, I think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we have a chip on our shoulder because of South Georgia football gets a lot of credit for being the toughest. Mm-hmm. And then um, North Georgia gets the, the, the uh, credit for, you know, being the more elite as far as top-tier players. So I think Central Georgia is always going to be pushing so that they can say, hey, we, we got football too, and we're proud of it. And I think when you see teams like Peach County and Warner Robinson continuously be in those last final teams, in the league and in, the in, in, in state championships and, and semifinals, that's what they want to uh, leave that lasting impression. Like, don't forget about Central Georgia football. It's not just the the interstate that connects <laughs> Atlanta, <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely. Atlanta and South Georgia. Uh, we got some we got some uh, some head buses down
0: here. Marvin James, master of all sports, thirteen WMaz down there in Macon. It'll be good to see you on uh, FFN as always this year at uh, Football Fridays there at Maz and taking care of everything there in middle Georgia. Thanks for hanging out with us for the All-Stars.
7: Always, brother. I appreciate you guys so much, and I can't wait to talk to you all again real soon.
0: Time to catch up with things down in South Georgia, and the man who has his finger on everybody's pulse when it comes to football in South Georgia, Phil Jones, the host of the Extra Point program at ITG Next Georgia. Afternoons for your viewing pleasure. Phil, thanks for hanging out with us for the All-Stars.
6: Hey, guys. Thanks for the invitation this afternoon. What a way to start the week.
0: You ain't kidding. So biggest storylines when it comes to the off season that you had to kind of keep your eye on what was what were some of the biggest newsmakers and the biggest news events from the the off season as we get ready for twenty twenty two
6: Wow, where do I start um okay well in, in terms of uh teams overall, I'd say everybody's looking at Buford making the jump to seven a uh, you know, there are some folks that are thinking that uh, Buford may struggle uh, a little bit. Now, I'm not one of them, but, you know, suddenly they're going to be one of the smaller schools in in 7A. So it's going to be interesting to see. That's obviously got a lot of people talking. Uh, and, guys, let me just say this. Um, I think we are poised for what I think is going to be the best high school football season that we have witnessed at least—I'm not going to say in my lifetime, but maybe in the last decade
0: plus—just
6: huh. so many great story, uh, so, many, so many great playmakers. Um, the 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 realignment guys has given us just a, a competitive, uh, just an overload of competitive schedules. I mean, you look at the schedules for these teams, guys, and I mean, you can just take your pick. You know, it wasn't long ago where we had to snooze through the first four or five weeks of non-region competition. Not anymore. Got, not anymore, brother and sister. Uh, it is <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. I mean, guys, again, just look at the schedules, and I've got a few, you know, that we can talk about. But, I mean, these schedules for all the teams, and I'm not talking about just the bigger schools. I mean, all the way down the line from – uh, the new revamped Class A, yep. which, remember, there is no Class A private anymore. Right. Uh, and all the way through, again, the new look 7A, i.e. the Buford uh, inclusion. I mean, these schedules just are giving us the best games we have had in a long time.
1: Valdosta well, now joins 7A.
0: Region
6: 1? Yeah. One, you know, region 1 7A. 7 7A, seven seven a, brother. I mean, run up. run us through this. <laughs> Yeah, 17A, obviously you've got Valdosta. Richmond Hill Mm -hmm. uh, is going to come over and join the fray. Mm. Uh, Matt Lozada, one of my favorite guys ever. Uh, You got Zach Here, Listen, guys, here's another great, and and I'm telling you, we we could just go on and on about all these great potential storylines this year. How about Zach Gray at Lounge? Yeah. Okay. Sean Calhoun at Calkwick. Heard of him. Two great programs. Two great coaches, two great young coaches, and what's the common
1: thread between those the two guys? The
0: coaching tree of Rush Probst, sir. <laughs> well put, John Nelson. Common
1: denominator.
6: <laughs> so, I mean, this is going to provide us, and I say us, and I mean high school fans everywhere, not just in Southern Georgia, but this is going to provide high school football fans with one of the better rivalries. With those young, great football minds, the success they've had, now coming back together to face off against each other in the same region. And again, arguably the toughest region in the state. Again, guys, just one of many great storylines that we're looking at for this year.
0: Outside of 7A with the, the the lesser numbers of A's, what other storylines are you looking at with folks that don't have 7A's attached to their name? What are you looking at, like in single A with Brooks County trying to repeat as well as a champion? In the, some of the, the smaller classifications, what are you looking for?
6: Okay. Well, let's go to, and again, for those that may not uh, understand, and by the way, you guys did a great job a few shows back. Of going through and kind of explaining uh, with the reclassification, kind of how things have been revamped. Uh, good job, Hannah and John on that. Uh, it was a great you mean, joke.
1: you mean you we didn't confuse you, or the you're the only one that understood what we were trying to say? <laughs>
6: <laughs> to be to be very honest with you, uh, I, that really clarified a lot for even me because I was when this first came out with the Class A, and let's go into it. So Class A D1 D2, right. what's the difference? D1, your larger schools, D2, and I think the cutting line is is four ninety nine and above. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, that sounds right. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, Class A, D1, and again, there is no Class A private or public split anymore. They're all in either A1 or A D1 D2. So let's face it. In Class A D1, you've got probably the two strongest teams, arguably in the same region with Brooks and Irwin. I think they'll <laughs> duke it out this year. Man. But what about Metter? Now guys, mm-hmm. look at take a look at Metter's roster. Yeah. They graduated, I think, maybe one or two from that mega team they had last year. Right. That uh, got beat by Central State champion Brooks in the semifinals. But mm-hmm. so watch out for Metter. They say everything's better in Metter.
1: Yes, they do. Like I
6: tell you this: their football team may even be better wow. than
0: it was last year.
1: Better, better, better than better. Betterer?
0: Better. <laughs> Is that what you're going to say? That they were betterer? <laughs> All right. Uh, two minute warning. And let's buzz through some of the the other topics real quick. Some of the studs that you're going to be keeping an eye on this year down there in South Georgia. Who who are you looking at to to really show up this season for high school football athletes?
6: Oh man, in terms of uh, personnel,
0: yeah, personnel. Give me names. Who are you, who are you? Who's in the spot shadow for Phil Jones? That's what I'm looking. For. How about Lee Counties? Usmani Croma, uh
6: came through as a made his uh, entrance into big time football last year as a freshman and didn't look anything like a freshman. Absolutely dominated. He'll uh, arguably one of the, be one of the best, if not the best, running back in the state of Georgia this year. Leading Dean Fabrizio's uh, Lee County Trojans. How about staying in 16A? What about Ricardo Jones, the big four-star safety? That and I tell you, Northside Warner Robbins is back, guys, in uh, in Class 6A.
0: Okay.
1: Ooh. After
0: going eight and four last year, we know what happened with Chad Alligood. So uh, Hannah Gooden, last question to you.
1: Well, I was going to ask an underdog question, but Northside Warner Robbins is that could be the answer.
0: So, so who is who is uh, somebody that could fly below the radar for you? Since uh, you've volunteered Northside uh, a little bit, are there mm-hmm. any other underdogs for you, or any other folks that can fly below the radar and, and bite some folks? Is this one for this one for me? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, John stole
1: my thunder before I could finish my question.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Look out for Josh Niblett at Gainesville. Now, they've really struggled. In fact, they've struggled since the days of Deshaun Watson, guys. Okay. But Josh Niblett has got that community sporting his all-red suit. I don't know if you guys have seen that or not, Mm -hmm. but he is sporting the all-red Gainesville red (laughs) elephant suit. Uh, I haven't seen it either. Uh, They got about 13 new kids that have come in to really bolster what wasn't already up and coming uh, program. But this guy is a well of a coach. He's coaching them up. Look out for the Gainesville Red Elephants uh, this year in, uh, I think they're in eight, except if
0: I'm not mistaken. The Fighting Bobby Gruens, led by Josh Niblett, uh, as always. Phil, thanks for hanging out with us here for the Football Fridays in Georgia All Stars. We'll be keeping an eye on stuff all season long. Thank you for being a part of our preseason kickoff, my friend.
6: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Last but not least, voice of GBB Sports Football Fridays in Georgia, Matt Stewart. Who covers mainly Atlanta but we are gonna get his thoughts on the entire state today Matt what are some of the hottest topics that you have seen this summer?
8: well the, the, the reclassification I think is the big story here mm-hmm. um at least just right off the bat I mean who's and I, and I think you know Euford I'm gonna have rank number one in 7A even though they've moved up so they're gonna they'll be going this year to try to become the first team in state history to win a uh, you know, a state championship. In every one of the classifications, and I, I say they're the favorite to do it in 7A. I also see, you know, a lot of the private schools uh, moved up. Some of them significant jumps in classification. Woodward Academy, BT, uh, Marist, uh, Trinity Christian, Calvary Day, uh, to name a few. Elka even moved up a little bit. They went up to, to the 2A, and I expect all of them to do well. I, I you know. I, I'm predicting all those teams to, be, to do well and be in the state championship hunt in their particular new classifications. So reclassification, I think, is the big overarching storyline.
0: When it comes to athletes, and I know that you and I with, and Hannah with Recruiting 2022, we're going to be looking at everybody across the state this year. Who are some of the, the stud athletes that you're looking forward to seeing?
8: Well, okay, well, first of all, let me you know uh, kind of apply the last question to the, to this topic too. The two biggest stories for me in recruiting was that you know LP's not at Milton. he's now at texas a and m he reclassified and, and signed with the Aggies in May, so that's a huge story, obviously in the state, and a lot of people already knew that, but for those who don't, yeah, you know L.t. Overton's no longer playing high school football. The other was Veron Haynes and his surprise commitment to Alabama. A couple of weeks ago, you know, his dad, Veron, played. Uh, did I say Veron? I meant Justice Hayes. Uh, you know, Veron played at Georgia. You know, everybody, including me, thought it was a foregone conclusion that Justice would be uh, – would commit to Georgia. He ain't to signed yet. I mean, uh, he hasn't signed yet. You're right about that. And a lot of things could still happen. Uh, and he's no longer at BT, by the way. He's now at Buford. Mm-hmm. So. Circling back around to why I think – you know, another reason why Buford – is the the favorite to be the best team in the state. But as far as, you know, athletes to watch this year, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, uh, you know, Dylan Lonergan goes into his senior year. He just committed to Alabama as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Dylan, but, uh, you know, he's going to have to shoulder a lot of the burden there with, with Brookwood. I'm not saying – I mean, they just don't have a whole lot of star quality outside of him. That doesn't mean they're not going to be good. I think they are going to be good. But he'll be a he'll be a guy to be watching uh, this year as well.
1: So you sent us an awesome breakdown of schools that you thought were the best for recruiting this year. And your top five, Buford, Grayson, Woodward, Creekside, Hughes, when mm-hmm. it when it comes to recruiting, who what, what are you looking for this year?
8: Well, you're right. I, I, I think and – I, and I use the template that basically 24-7 sports does to, you know, figure out who's the recruiting champion every year and just applied it to the high schools. And so that's for the senior class. Uh, the, those are the best senior classes uh, in the state. And, and I think you mentioned uh, – so out of those five, four of them, or maybe three, three of them, I have ranked number one in their particular classifications you know, Buford in 7A, Hughes in 6A, Creekside in 5A. So uh, what am I looking for? I'm looking for those teams to be really good this year and see how that plays out. There's some other teams out there, I think, that, that could make a jump. I think a team that's going to surprise you, at least from a recruiting standpoint, that's pretty loaded is Meadow Creek. Mm. Uh, and uh, one of the coordinators from Collins Hill jumped over there and took the head coaching job at Meadow Creek. Now, will that translate out into success on the field for a team that has been, you know, one of the the bottom teams in Gwinnett County for as long as I can remember. But I know from a recruiting standpoint, they got a lot of talent, especially in their junior class. So I'm going to keep my eye on Meadow Creek to see if what they have as far as the talent level actually translates into success for them this year.
0: Are you looking at this as a chalk year for... Teams competing for state championships, yes, obviously adding reclassification into the mix. Or are you looking, are there some surprises out there for you that might come out of lane eight or something like that and challenge deep for, for deep playoff runs and titles?
8: Um, you know, I think a team that's going to be interesting to watch, and again, it goes back to recruiting. anybody who watches us knows I, I base a lot of what I'm saying on recruiting, but it's not all about recruiting. It's obviously, coaching's got a huge. Hard to do with that, and the program stability and what they do with it. But I think Calvary Day in 3A is going to be a challenge to Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove, I have ranked number one, and I'm going to have and I'm going to have Calvary Day ranked number two in 3A when I come out with my uh, when I you know when I submit my first ballot for our GPB preseason rankings. Um, so I don't know whether that counts as kind of a team that I mean they've had success in 1A, uh, but I'm predicting they're going to have success. In 3A, I I'm going to have Trinity rank number one in 4A. Uh, I think they're going to con- even though they lost the Dallas Brothers, they still got a lot of talent, and I think they're going to have a good chance to have a lot of success in 4A this year as well. Uh, what? I, and okay, here's one for you. As I'm just kind of brainstorming, uh, watch for uh, Whitfield Academy mm-hmm. in 1A. They, okay. You know, they split up, they split up the ones. It's no longer public and private. It's based on you know, daily attendance, so you've got publics and privates playing against each other in 1A Division one and 1A Division II. Uh, watch for Whitfield Academy. I think they've got a chance to step up there and have uh, a really big season led by their linebacker, uh, Caleb Lavallier, who is uh, committed to North Carolina, but they've got a lot of talent too this year. So we'll see how that all plays out.
1: We cannot wait to catch up on the first recruiting 2022 coming up. We're still deciding on that on that first uh recording day, but sometime in August we will have the first episode out and we will very soon. very soon. Well, I'm gonna throw you a curveball per se. Wink wink curveball. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's really not. Matt, I know you're a baseball guy. You do a lot of baseball oh, broadcasts. I see what you did there. Okay. We just had the MLB draft, and a lot of the top guys came from Georgia, Georgia high yeah. schools. Give us a yeah. quick recap of what happened with the MLB draft and And um, catch us up on some of that. I thought that would be something cool to talk about.
8: Sure, absolutely. So, you know, we talk about how Georgia is, you know, this great state for high school football talent, and certainly it is, and Mm -hmm. it is in basketball as well. But you'd be hard-pressed to say that football or basketball is better than baseball in the state of Georgia. Uh, Three of the top four picks in the uh, Major League Baseball draft were from Georgia high schools or played at. Uh, Georgia high schools. The number two pick uh, in the draft, of course, was Drew Jones, Andrew Jones' son, who led Wesley into a state championship. The number three pick in the draft was uh, the kid. <laughs> the kid my, my, now my Kumar mind is blank. But yeah, yes, exactly. Kumar Rocker, whose dad, Tracy, was a high school football legend. He played at North Oconee High School, then went to Vanderbilt, got drafted by the Mets in the first round in 2021. Uh, had arm issues, didn't get signed, then got drafted with the third pick by the Rangers in the 2021-2022 draft. Kumar Rocker, then Tamara Johnson, the second baseman from Mays High School. So there's your that's three of the top four. And then you don't have to go too much farther than that. Dylan Lesko went number 15. He's from Buford High School. He went number 15 to the Padres. And the list goes on and on and on mm-hmm. of Georgia High School baseball players who got selected in the major league draft, either directly or directly from a college where they once played in Georgia high school, and then they went to college. So, uh, yeah, I I agree. Uh, The baseball draft is huge for the state of Georgia, perhaps even more so. And you can't forget about uh, basketball either. The number three pick in the NBA draft, a a guy that a lot of people thought would be number one, you know, Jabari Smith from uh, Auburn by way of Sandy Creek, so.
0: Yeah. So let's see. So basically, this is Baseball Fridays in Georgia. Uh-huh. It's Hoops Fridays in Georgia. I don't and, see why not. And it's Football Fridays in Georgia. Absolutely. I see how this is going. Absolutely. Yeah, and it
8: wasn't too long. It was just a couple of years ago that three of the top 11 picks in the NBA draft were from
0: Georgia high schools. So this is what happens when Georgia's we georgia Georgia's got it all. Yeah, we are. We, so this is what happens when we it have— Just means more. Yes. When we have Matt <laughs> on the show, this is what happens. So Matt, as always, great to catch up with you. I know that the sprint will begin with us with Recruiting 2022 very soon. It will Looking also to- also start with the football Fridays in Georgia, and we have our season premiere out. Denmark and Roswell—that one's going to be a, that's going to be a good one up there at Raymaina Stadium.
8: That's going to be a great game. Remember, Roswell has reclassified down to 6A this year. They're a 6A team with a lot of 7A talent. I expect Roswell to be very good. In fact, I believe I'm going to have them rank number four in 6A when I submit my ballot. Denmark's a top ten team in my mind as well. Uh, give us a chance to get the Denmark Danes on. We've done a game from Denmark before, but it was a playoff game, not involving them. So this will be our first chance to have Denmark on uh, Football Fridays in Georgia.
0: Matt, it's always great to catch up with you, my friend. We'll catch up soon.
1: Look forward to it. Bye, Matt.
0: So it's always fun to have the the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars. You know, we usually like to have them... Twice a year, beginning of the year, actually three times a year, because we do it leading into the playoffs, then we do it when the season's over. So this is the first time, I think this is the first time that we've had the Football Fridays in Georgia All-Stars leading off the season.
1: It just gives me anxiety. Why? A little bead of sweat starts dripping down my forehead.
0: Why? Why are you anxious?
1: Because we're only a month away from the season. Less than. I'm not ready, John.
0: We're less than a month.
1: I'm not ready. Week zero,
0: week zero is, I mean, hey, the 19th, 19th is less than three weeks. It's not even a month. I
1: know. I know. And we're doing a full season this year. Yeah, it's
0: going to be fun. Trivia for you. Uh Uh-oh.
1: Wins the last time GPB did it in an entire full season?
0: That would be back when we did uh, Corky Kale, I believe. Yeah. It was when we were that so, far. So we're talking at least a decade.
1: Yeah. That's really exciting stuff yeah. for GPB. So, yeah, and for us. Yeah,
0: it'll be fun. We're uh, Get yeah. to see
1: our pretty smiling faces a whole three more games.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> But no, I think, it, I think it'll be a fun year because I know that reclassification, we talked about reclassification a lot in the yes, offseason. we did. Because it really is important. But at the same time, you you get to see these new recipes and what mm-hmm. the, the GHSA has created in placing teams and spots and things like that. I want to see what Region 1 7A looks like. Oh, I know. And, you know, you've got the new coaches that are, that are around. Uh, what's Josh Niblett going to be like up in Gainesville? And the reason I asked Matt about chalk was because you've got a lot of these teams that are coming back with a lot of talent. It's just they're in different classifications. And so are we going to see a lot of the same names? That's another question that I've got this season.
1: The single A private teams that have been bumped way up—that's going to be wow. interesting. But they to did that.
0: Watch. Well, yeah, especially Trinity Christian for me. And you know, when we see call how it they book, fare
1: against yeah. higher classification competition. Well,
0: and a lot of it had to do with geography. Mm-hmm. And then you know, when catching up with Kenny Dallas over the summer, it's like you know we want to challenge ourselves. So I want to see what Trinity Christian, Trinity Christian for me is going to be an interesting test case in all of this. Is to, all right, we decided that we're going to go all the way up to quad mm-hmm. from single A private. And so I want to see I want to see what it looks like with Trinity Christian.
1: You know, another one for me is Marist. True. I want to see what it looks like. Okay, now you caught
0: up with Alan Chadwick before the season started. You, ca- you caught up with him at DeKalb County Media Day before the season started. Yes. Here's a guy who has no hobbies.
1: Does, Zero. Doesn't
0: play golf. Doesn't do anything like that. He just is a football coach. <laughs> and I think if memory serves, I think he's... On average, I think he's probably eight seasons away. I think he's 80 wins short okay. of Larry Campbell for the all-time record for wins for a high school football coach here in the state of Georgia. That's going to be, a, for the next decade, That's going to be another storyline for us at GP. How far along does Alan Chadwick go at Marist, and how long does he chase after Larry Campbell's record at Lincoln County for most wins in the state?
1: Been there since 1985. Mm-hmm. Championship win uh-huh. two years ago, yeah. and they get bumped up from 4A, mm-hmm. and they'll be competing in 6A for the first okay. time this since, season. Since
0: okay, you're, since you're on the computers, mm-hmm. uh, look at look at the coaching numbers and see what the, the wins are for coaches. Click on the Coaches tab mm-hmm. for our friends at the Georgia High School Football H- Historical Association. Uh, GHSFHA.org, Becky Taylor, and they, they do a tremendous job with uh, the databases and everything and pe- piecing this stuff together. So, what's the number between Larry Campbell and Alan Chadwick? I want to say it's somewhere like seventy-eight.
1: Technology is failing us.
0: Of course it is.
1: You have requested an invalid special page.
0: That is not. That is not accurate. It is not an invalid special page. I'm sorry. I hate to break it to your. Computer. I'm going to let
1: you look it up.
0: G H S. If I could spell, G H S F H A dot O R G, and this specifically will be the last thing we do before we head on. And uh, get everybody ready for the regular season. So, all right. So Georgia High School football history. Once again, we love what they do. Coaches. Click on the Coaches tab. Coaches tab loads. And it's spinning. I know this makes for fantastic radio. This really does. I know it makes for fantastic radio when it comes to these things. But as you can tell, it's loading. As, As you sit there and you look on the TV side, it is, oh, here we go. All right. So. Uh, Ooh, it's it's closer than I thought. 68 wins.
1: How were you able to pull that up so quickly?
0: Larry Campbell has 477 career wins. Alan Chadwick is at 409. Mm -hmm. So we see his formula for success. And only a certain number of folks got that joke. Uh, So 68 wins for Alan Chadwick. So that's seven years, you know, six or seven seasons that Alan Chadwick has to uh, to chase Larry Campbell. And uh, well, so we'll see what happens. I'm That's, sure he will do it. Yeah. Well, once again, we're gonna have you're gonna have to ask him every single year at DeKalb County Media Day until we get close, or does he stop at 477 and call it a day? Just that way, it's no, time. No. All right. No way. So no uh, way. I think so.
1: Denmark at Roswell.
0: Denmark at Roswell. Yeah, on the 19th. Can't wait. Yeah, Denmark and Roswell on the I'll 19th. be in studio yep. again
1: this season. You will be weathering the storms out on the field. Gee
0: thanks. Yeah, I know I will. It'll be uh I, I oh and the the boss actually got me a, a an undershirt that wicks away.
1: Oh, nice. All that
0: stuff. So uh so yeah, I will be still be wearing the dress blacks. Okay. But I ha- but I will have the special specially formulated wicking t shirt underneath. So they
1: took you. 30 years to figure that one out.
0: Basically true. (laughs) So, uh, thanks to Jake the Snake, King James, Commander Sandy, and everybody here. As always, great to catch up with you for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Strap in. The regular season's coming up just around the corner, and that's when we go weekly, so it's going to be fun. The sprint starts now. For everybody here at Georgia Public Broadcasting, play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next time.